0: Hey, hi, hello there. Welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast about movies we haven't seen yet. I'm your host, Betsy, and with me is my husband, Trent. Hi, hi. So we are rounding out our four movie series of weird movies. Our weird-a-thon. We're going, again, not intentional but going farther back in time yet again Mm -hmm. we find ourselves in 1999 for a movie that was not produced by a24 (laughs) (laughs) Uh and starring somebody that trent is very excited to talk about
1: oh boy i just realized this before we sat down
0: we are watching the 1999 film being john malkovich Uh
1: uh-huh so we mentioned it in the last episode and in one of our previous series, we talked about, like, we, we uh, watched Adaptation.
0: Yes, yeah, so in so, Adaptation, yeah. they're actually behind the scenes of being John Malkovich. Right.
1: The dude who wrote that is the same dude who wrote this movie, and it just made me really want to watch being John Malkovich, because the twisted mind that was him. Charlie Kaufman. Uh, Charlie Kaufman uh, made this movie as well, and I just, I had to see it. And what better series to put it in than a weird movie series?
0: Because Trent, what do you know about the movie being John Malkovich?
1: Oh God, well I'm gonna I'm going to f- assume here that John Malkovich is in it. You're correct, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I also know that an actor by the name of John. Cusack is also in the movie. That's
0: the guy. God
1: damn it, we're Which, finally doing it. Which, if you've been
0: paying attention the last few weeks, his name has come up from time to time. Yeah, because Trent just loves the man. He loves him. He's his favorite actor in the
1: whole world. She tells lies. <laughs> what
0: do you really think of John Cusack,
1: Trent? I think he sucks. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of his movies. We talked about it during one of the email sections. Our superfan, Nicole, suggested that we do a Cusackathon, or we also suggested maybe doing a like John Cusack versus Joan Cusack, who can win out in a battle royale. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I've not really seen a whole, whole lot of Cusack movies in general. And I'm excited to see this one just because... Again, it's a weird movie. It's been around forever. Nineteen ninety nine is a long time ago, Betsy. It's a long Shh, time. Quiet, you. <laughs> a long time. Other than them, I know Cameron Diaz is in it. Hmm. I I don't think there's anybody else I know.
0: What do you know about the plot?
1: So there's a portal into the head and mind of John Malkovich, and I think you can control him at like a puppet. Okay. And I think John Cusack is like. I mean, this is just based on the little information that I know. Isn't he, like, a puppeteer? I know there's puppeteering stuff yes. in, in this.
0: Yes, you are correct.
1: I don't know if it's going to be, like, scientifically based, like, Eternal Sunshine, where they go into your mind and do... It's written by the same guy.
0: Uh, yeah, well... I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. We talked
1: about that in that episode, but anyway, um, I don't know if it's like scientifically based or if it's just, hey, guess what? There's a door here that gets it into this, this this famous actor's mind <laughs> for <laughs> some reason, and yes, Trent, for reasons. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah, and as far as plot reasons go, I think this is just gonna be, hey, let's go do, let's just go fuck with John Malkovich or see what he's up to today. I don't know. <laughs> uh, other than that I don't really know like what's going on here
0: so yes obviously you have never watched this movie no I honestly haven't seen this in many 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 years okay and I'm fairly confident I've only seen it once
1: all right what did you remember anything about it do you remember liking it
0: I remember parts of it being entertaining but I don't remember overall if it was one I really liked. Because but again, you like
1: this style of, of movie do. and director. Like you really liked adaptation. That was your idea to, to have me watch that. You like Eternal Sunshine. So it, this is definitely something that should be in your wheelhouse. Yes.
0: I think it's entirely possible that it's just one of those movies I watched when I was like too young to really get it or appreciate okay. it. All right. And so it's something that I'm hoping has grown on me over time because I don't really have a lot of recollection Mm -hmm. i don't remember it being bad i just don't remember being that into it but that was like 20 years ago so we'll see yeah but with that we're gonna go find out we are gonna go watch being john malkovich and we'll be right back Would you like the chance to be John Malkovich? I
1: wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Betsy. What the hell?
0: We were going for weird. You got weird. That was fucking weird
1: and silly and amazing.
0: <laughs> yes, I definitely like this one, this go around. And I don't know what my deal was the first time. I think I must've just been in the wrong room. I mood. don't think you
1: probably would have been able to appreciate The weirdness.
0: Well, and I have come to really appreciate both Spike Jones, who directed this movie, and Charlie Kaufman, who Mm -hmm. wrote this movie. Imagine just being Charlie Kaufman. If you want to be in anybody's head, it's that guy's brain. He's just coming up with
1: this shit. (laughs) What the hell kind of drugs was everybody on? Jesus Christ. I don't get it.
0: Well, I was just reading the, you know, trivia and things about this. Apparently he was working on this as early as 1994. So a good five years before this. You
1: need time to come up with this shit.
0: And it was always intended to be John Malkovich and he refused to produce it with anybody else as the actor. Even John Malkovich said you should get someone else. And he said, no, <laughs> it must be you.
1: Like, I mean, why? Like, did he not want to be like the focus here? Did he not want the weird meta layer to everything?
0: I I suspect if you look at what he was doing about this time in his career, this was a really weird choice for John Malkovich. I mean, he, he was certainly... probably st-
1: still trying to be a leading man at this point.
0: Well, he certainly wasn't known for doing comedy and weird movies like this. He was more like he had done Con Air like two years before this movie where he played a psychotic, you know, a prisoner. Uh, And he had been, I think, nominated for Academy Awards like a few years before for uh, Of Mice and Men, I think.
1: Trying to be a serious actor.
0: Yeah. So to be approached... Where you have to play a hyper-real version of yourself, but you also have to play John Cusack playing you.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, what's a parallel to this movie?
0: Uh... Besides I mean, Get Out. Any time you have kind of a body swap movie like Freaky Friday yeah. or anything like that, what, with, with the change-up, that Jason Bateman, Ryan Reynolds
1: movie. That's It's all kind of based on the Freaky Friday stuff.
0: Yeah, where one person is replacing the other and they switch places. But this those is two more, people
1: inhabit the same space.
0: Yes, this is more one person is the... Passive observer, yeah, and the other one is still driving the car. And then you get John Cusack's character who just fully figures out how to take over somehow. Somehow,
1: yeah, there's a lot of somehow's, there's a lot of okay, assume this is possible,
0: and just because, just
1: because <laughs> you really don't pretend get- as if this is a real thing, and you are just matter of factly like going through your life knowing that that is a possibility
0: yeah you really don't get a lot of explanation why is there this door on the seven and a half floor that goes into anybody let alone John Malkovich because yeah and then you get an explanation later well oh the old man is actually the man from the 1700s who built the building and he found a way to
1: move his consciousness into another body I didn't need that extra thing. I I would have been satisfied with there's a portal that goes into John Malkovich's head. That's it.
0: But you need an end game. And at a certain point, that's what they came up
1: with. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. And from a storytelling perspective, you need a beginning, a middle, and an end. And in this case, you know, it was just kind of a throwaway thing for me. There's probably a lot more that he could have told about that guy, the the captain, as it the were, the captain. And uh, I don't know. I I think he just kind of threw it in there because hey, why not have something more silly, and have Malkovich, and, like have that ending with Malkovich and Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking weird that was. God, this movie's weird. I damn it, we picked a great ending. <laughs> God.
0: <laughs> yeah, the trouble with this one is not that it's hard to understand. It's oh, no. Just, you have to have a willingness to accept
1: it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have to go in with a completely open mind and, again, accept the fact that it's going to be weird and you have to be along for the ride. And in the end, at no time was I confused. Like, you could have had this movie be very confusing.
0: Oh yeah. You could have given a much more complicated reason for why this is all happening.
1: And like, I don't have a lot of like big, big questions here. I have questions of course, but I know there are no answers. That's, that's the difference between like this one and the last movie we watched under the skin where in that movie we're left to kind of fill in the gaps and make our own determination in this one. You don't really need the answers to those questions. You don't even need to ask the questions. And like the the questions I would ask are, what is this, this like anus? (laughs) I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. What is this anus that they're going through? Because it really seems like they're crawling through shit.
0: Yeah. And they're coming out covered
1: in shit and they don't address that at all.
0: I, I don't know. I don't know Trent. <laughs> no, no. I I also liked Lottie's metaphor of it's kind of like a vagina. Yeah. And she's not wrong because it's sort of like you know the metaphor of that's how life is created something sure. has to go in
1: there. Uh-huh. And then something comes <laughs> and out. And
0: then you are thrown out the other end.
1: And she has a and she's, transformative she's reborn. experience. Yes. <laughs> Good god. And like she's getting to the point where she's like I think I'm actually a man. Like, I I feel more comfortable as a man. I don't know. I, I don't really know what that f- fascination would Everything be.
0: Everything suddenly made sense to her right. in a and, way that didn't make sense before. And
1: in 1999, you're talking about I'm discovering myself as a trans person? Wow. Yep. And, and it's not treated as, like, a dismissive thing. I mean, I guess it is. But to her, it's not. Her
0: husband dismisses it as her a as a passing it. fancy. Sure.
1: And he's just trying to dismiss her outright. Yes. Not, and not necessarily just that. Oh, yeah. She wants her out of the room, but that's a separate thing.
0: So let's just kind of talk about, since we're on the topic, uh, Lottie. So Cameron Diaz in this movie. She's a lot. She's also kind of unrecognizable.
1: I hate the frizzy hair. It's it's, it's all very bad.
0: intentional. The direction was make her homely, make yeah. her plain. Yeah. And I think they achieved
1: that. You think so? Because <laughs> her as an owner of like a pet shop that brings home animals and takes her her chimp to a psychologist. Yeah, to the, go through the chimp has repressed memories from repressed childhood. Childhood memories, and it does. It really does because we got the flashback.
0: Yes, he has a miraculous fucking... recovery.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> so yeah. yeah, you've got Lottie, who is compelled after this experience to just keep doing it. She becomes instantly addicted to
1: this. Yeah, she's obsessed. She's addicted, and they're they're both addicted. Yep, and obsessed with with Maxine for one thing, and just having this experience as Malkovich.
0: And then you've got Craig. Yep. The the forlorn, unemployed puppeteer.
1: <laughs> like, what the hell kind of a... Like, how do you get that as an idea, as a basis of a character, is my question.
0: Again, I think it's just a reason that would make sense for the viewer to understand how he's so easily able to control him. Sure. Because he is used to controlling mm-hmm. another inanimate object. It's yeah. just in this scenario... He is animated. (laughs) And knowing
1: what I know about Charlie Kaufman, it would make sense that, you know, this is a very unique kind of a thing. And he's just that kind of a weirdo that would find puppets and marionettes fascinating.
0: It's the sort of thing you get fixated on and go, that's weird, but I want to know more.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, at the very beginning of the movie, Craig is in bed, like sleeping in and his wife is berating him about getting up and getting a damn job. And that's like a normal start of a movie where the character is unmotivated and then he discovers something that is really turning him on. But the thing that turns him on is being a puppeteer. And that's what he is in his soul. And that's what he's going to die doing. And it's a really strange thing, but I think he pulls it off. (laughs) All things considered. And then, of
0: course, our last, uh, well, not our last character, but... The other supporting character is Catherine Keener. So she is a woman who works on his floor. Yeah. We never find out where she works or why she's there. Or what
1: her deal is. Or what
0: her deal is. But she is just kind of the seductress, if you will. Like she's not even interested in him. No. But she kind of does everything to torment him in a weird way.
1: Yeah. I I suspect that. You know, Charlie Kaufman puts himself in a lot of his characters. Like, the character of Craig is very much him. He's this weirdo who has a really strange profession, let's say. And he has this unrequited love of these vixens that he will never, ever bag, let's say.
0: <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah, and she just sort of weirdly goes along with the scheme. So they, the thing that's interesting about this is... Catherine Keener's character, Maxine, never goes into the John Malkovich experience, if you want to call it that. She just
1: believes him. Yeah. She believes him, like, not immediately. Like, she kind of, like, pats him on the head and she's just, you know, saying whatever. You stupid little boy who's just trying to get in my pants. Right. But he's so convincing that she calls him at home and she says, "Okay, I'm going to go along with this because I can make some money off of you because you are so convinced that you can convince other losers like you that this is a real thing." But it turns out it's totally real. But at the same time, she's just accepting that it's happening. She doesn't know what's going on, but she's just going along with it, I guess. I, I-
0: But she also. My mind
1: itself is tearing itself apart. (laughs) Trying to put this all together. Trying to put it all together, yes.
0: And of course, she knows that at one point in the movie, Lottie shows up and wants to go in, and she says, okay, let her go in. And somehow manages to get a hold of John Malkovich and make a date with him. Right. And she can tell when Lottie is inside John Malkovich. She can look in his eyes and she knows. the feminine
1: side of John Malkovich comes out when Lottie is inside. But
0: she can't control him the way that Craig can. Right. But she can somehow look into his eyes and she knows.
1: Yeah. And it's another kind of like passed off line where she's at the office and she calls someone and asks to get John Malkovich's home number and she gets it. She does get it. We don't find out how or why she gets it. She just does. She just does. And I don't even remember or understand why she's trying to get a hold of him in the first place. Is she like trying to fuck over Craig?
0: I think... She just wanted to see it for herself from the from outside the other perspective. Yeah. Like, she's not interested in going in there. I don't think she wants to go in there. I don't, th- no. I think she's, unlike the other two characters, she is perfectly confident in her own skin and sure. she doesn't need it. Sure. So that's why she's rather, she'd rather be on the outside looking in. Yeah. She's I think got, that's what that's she's about. She's got
1: all the confidence in the world mm-hmm. and she's fascinated by interacting with this person while another person is, is inhabiting it. And then finding out from the other side, from the people who were, were in there, what it was like.
0: Yeah, it's it's a weird social high for her. Yeah.
1: yeah. And like Lottie can't manipulate no. John. But she can feel his the, the sensations that he is feeling. Yes. Because she... the first time. He's in the shower and, like, is grabbing a towel and going to dry himself off. But then the first thing that he does is go down to his crotch and start uh, drying off his his man bits. <laughs> and she can feel that. Which, again, maybe that's just enlightening this, this thing inside of her that makes her think that she's more man.
0: Maybe. I don't know. And that's really an unresolved thing i think what it boils yeah. down to is she's just very unhappy and didn't really
1: realize it right. until somebody held a mirror up to her right and she just and she's like just more comfortable yeah. in, in a man's body so to speak so to speak it gives
0: her the confidence to become more confident in herself yeah outside of john malkovich's
1: body sure so thanks, John, for having that awakening for her, I guess. <laughs> so
0: speaking of John, we talked about it at the beginning, about your your opinions about John Cusack. Okay. And here's one thing I will say about this movie. This is not a great example to get you to like John Cusack, because Craig sucks.
1: Oh, yeah. Craig's a- is an asshole.
0: Craig is awful. At the beginning of the movie, he is this tortured artist, but he's... He's kind of pathetic. Like, nobody has a call for puppeteering, honey. You cannot be a starving artist with that particular profession. Uh Uh-huh. There's And
1: you can't just say, oh, it's just a slow season for the puppeteering business. No, No.
0: No. And he is very quick to try to cheat on his wife the first second he gets. Yeah. The first second he tries it. He just goes for it, like hook, line, and sinker. When he's like, "If I guess your name, you have to give me a chance, and you have to go out, and go out, and have a drink with me." Uh-huh. And he's just making sounds until he hits on the right one, and she reacts to it. Yeah,
1: and who knows if he didn't like look that up somehow? No, I on genuinely his own.
0: think he was just testing her face to see what she well, when course, he was getting close. Of course, yeah, and then he got the right one. For sure. Why because not? he tried barros oh, He's sag- such a weirdo. La <laughs> <Maxine>!
1: <laughs> <Hexine>! <laughs> and yeah, she's just kind of going along with it because she's finding it entertaining, I guess. Yeah, she they, likes to toy with him. And they finally go out for drinks and she finds out he's a puppeteer and she goes like, check please. Or whatever the fuck. Like, no. That, yeah. No. Dude, the, like, don't Come off like you're just trying to get to know me or going to be my friend. No, you want to fuck me, don't you? Of course you do.
0: Yep. And once he finds out that Lottie and Maxine have this spark together. Yeah. He shuts down Lottie. He literally mm-hmm. locks her in a cage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I loved her reaction when she's like, I'm in a cage. I'm in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> so he locks her in a cage and he manages to take over John Malkovich's body while Maxine thinks Lottie is yeah, in. Yeah, she
1: tricks Lottie into saying, "Hey, you need to go into into work or, or you need to go with Malkovich because I'm going to be uh, in him at this time and we're going to have some fun together again." Yep. So, yeah, Craig goes over there, does the thing. But I th- it was, is it here that he can, like, start to manipulate he it? He
0: starts to get him to say something. He's, right. like, willing the arm to move and touch right. her boob. And he's like, move it, move it. I want to touch it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then and the words like, come out of his mouth. He can say
1: a few words and, yeah. And, of course, Malkovich knows it right, right off the bat. Yeah, what the fuck just happened? So, yeah, he gets this little bit of, like, losing control And that's the end of that. But then he goes over and visits his very good friend, Charlie Sheen, because he thinks he's going crazy. And who else would you go and see but Charlie Sheen if you think you're going crazy?
0: And he asks him the logical question of, were you stoned? Well, yeah, that's not the point, though. You were high.
1: So that's what's going on, clearly.
0: So, yeah, you've got Craig now who is jealous, manipulative, abusive,
1: crazy (laughs) yeah, and just like the the total jealousy is coming out he is totally obsessed he is all of these things are contributing to his craziness and even there's a scene where he's where he's thinking oh my god what am i becoming and i'm just i'm such an asshole i'm gonna let you free no he's not nope he He, manipulates her by pretending to be remorseful uh uh-huh He is terrible.
0: He is terrible, and then when he finally takes over John Malkovich for good, fully, fully takes over. Maxine is drawn in by it. Yeah, because again, she is just weirdly fascinated.
1: She's also a big schemer too, and she
0: sees an opportunity. She pounces on it, which she did when she said, "We can charge people to go in here." Yeah, and he points out, well. Well, if I stay here forever, mm-hmm. we can't do that anymore. It's
1: like, no, we got access to his bank account. You are John Malkovich. Yep. She points out the obvious. Yeah. You could just replace him. Right. And you can't act as Malkovich. So what can you do? You can be a puppeteer. <laughs> so they fucking go to Malkovich's agent, <laughs> who I, I love uh, Charlie Kaufman's descriptor, uh, his, his depiction of Hollywood agents. Because even in adaptation, his agent there is just a terrible asshole. <laughs> and in here, this guy is just just completely going along with whatever, whatever, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Because whatever he does, he's going to get a cut of it. He can maybe say no. Maybe that's not a good idea. But no, he's saying, yeah, just go ahead and do it.
0: Yeah, he sits him down and he says, I'm not an actor anymore. From now on, I'm a puppeteer. And he goes, okay, I yeah. can make that happen. Make
1: a couple calls. <laughs>
0: And it works. Uh, yeah, it works. He uses John
1: Malkovich's notoriety <laughs> to launch his puppeteering career. And there's like this montage that happens after he becomes a puppeteer. And he's like at the MTV Movie Awards. There's like all these different celebrities. There's a, there's this documentary going on where they're interviewing, interviewing uh, Sean Penn and Brad Pitt's there. And it's just this farce. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's absolutely nonsensical yes. that somebody like Sean Penn would look at the success of John Malkovich right. just making a complete 180, yeah. changing his career, and it was successful. So maybe I'll try it, but I don't want to look like I'm jumping on the
1: bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, we're all going to be puppeteers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just the the mere concept Of puppeteering becoming a national phenomenon amongst celebrities and
1: directors. He is a worldwide sensation for (sighs) being a puppeteer just because he happened to be a semi-famous actor prior to that.
0: But I do like that they show him playing at some podunk theater in the Catskills.
1: To start off, yeah, yeah.
0: He must start again.
1: (laughs) And then he goes to, uh, what is it? What's that acting school?
0: Oh, Juilliard. Yeah.
1: He goes to Juilliard and is teaching a class and he goes up there and he's a complete dick. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So this is one of the things about this movie that I love. And it's the quality of John Malkovich as an actor that he is able to make this transformation where – the longer Craig is there, the more he takes over. So, like, he, oh, yeah. Craig has long hair, yep. so he grows out Malkovich's hair. <laughs> and he
1: even does and the he, comb over. <laughs> he starts
0: dressing like Craig uh-huh. was dressed at the beginning of the movie. Yep. And, of course, this is John Cusack doing a character mm-hmm. that John Malkovich now has to recreate. Right. Which is fascinating. I love when actors have to do this because it's so... Meta.
1: <laughs> and it's not only that, there is a couple of scenes in here where they're like jumping back and forth where he's real Malkovich and other Malkovich. Like his control jumps in and out.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, of course, and it's depicted on screen of him just like shaking his head like, and saying, where he's going in and out.
0: <laughs> and I like that there's uh, the little element. During the documentary, they say, oh, John Malkovich is from Evanston, Illinois, and he was a part of the Wolf Theater. The second part is true, but he's not from Evanston, Illinois. John Cusack, however, is. Yeah. So it's this funny little touch where they're kind of winking and nodding, like the character, again, is taking over to the point that it's real, but it isn't real.
1: Yeah, and you were even saying... Uh, there's some other connections here that are more tangential. Like we were looking in the credits and there was a guy with the last name Piven in the credits. And it just so happens that it was Jeremy Piven's dad. And Jeremy Piven went to high
0: school with John Cusack. Right. Yeah. They went to the same school as my friend. Right. He's in the yearbooks in the library. It's a (laughs) weird thing. (laughs) She saw Joan at a movie theater once. (laughs) 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 Just to get both Cusacks mentioned in this episode. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so we're kind of going all over the place here, but I think that's okay because, again, it's just a weird conceptual movie. It is just, oh my god. Like, the damn thing starts with what I defined as puppet with existential dread.
1: Yep. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, there was a, I, I, I told Betsy when we started I want to look at the credits to see how many real puppeteers that they employed on this. Yeah, and it's not, quite a few. Not to impugn the puppeteers
0: in this movie because they did a wonderful job. And, and it's very impressive. It is a it is a skill that very few people have. However, you're never going to make a multi-million dollar international career out of puppeteering.
1: No, you're also not going to interrupt Swan Lake with your stupid ass shit.
0: <laughs> no, you and not have a man-sized puppet, which wasn't really a puppet. That was a dude in a puppet suit, but that's uh-huh. a whole different thing. That's, yeah. But, like, at the beginning of the movie, he sees this other internationally famous puppeteer who's doing a massive, like, two-story puppet of Emily Dickinson, and it's this international sensation, and he's just like, Ah, what a schmuck. And it's yeah. like, are you
1: fucking kidding uh, me? Yeah, you sell out. <laughs> You're sullying the good name of puppeteers.
0: It's just so stupid. And I love how committed they are to this bit.
1: Oh, everybody is just game for anything. Like they're all the way in on whatever it is that they're trying to do here, especially Malkovich, because like, like we keep on saying him going in and out between the two different characters, him having the indignity of having this happen to him, but it's still his character. And there's one line here I wanted to throw in before we get off that topic. When Malkovich infiltrates his own portal. He enters his own mind. Yeah, he fi- he he follows Maxine to where the portal is and then everybody who's in line, they tell him the what's going on. And they're saying like they're charging you know, 200 clams to go into John Malkovich's head and of course he's all disguised. So he he runs up to the front of the line and he gets revealed as, Hey, it's the real Malkovich. And he's like telling him what the hell is going on here. Okay. I'm going in. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen when he goes in there. And Betsy, this scene made the entire movie for me.
0: This is the one that they show at the very beginning of adaptation that they're filming it. It's John Malkovich and he is everybody. Yes. So he's in a restaurant and he is a woman wearing pearl earrings and a woman in a sexy dress and a woman singing on the piano and the guy playing the piano and all the bartenders and the man who is serving the drinks. A
1: little kid in a booster seat at the table and... All of the menu items, the, the the text on it, every single word is the word Malkovich. The
0: only word anybody is saying is Malkovich. So In when he's when yeah. he's on the piano, he's like Malkovich, Malkovich <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he gets and he gets crapped out on the New Jersey Turnpike with the other dude who was in there at the same time and he says, "I have been to the dark side. I have seen a world that no man should see." <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about that, before we started recording, I I had to I had to see that line again to get it right number one. <laughs> I just needed to see it again. And I just laughed here for five minutes. It's so fucking funny. We had to
0: wait to record a little
1: bit because you were still giggling. I was just fucking giggling. It's so silly. It's silly. And
0: everybody else in this movie is completely committed to what they're doing, too. Cameron Diaz, they don't exactly say what she's doing. I think that she works at a pet store. But we don't know why she has a dog and a cat and a parrot and a lizard and a chimpanzee. That's
1: why I think she owns the place.
0: Yeah, and she's just talking about, yeah, Elijah's not feeling very well. He has an ulcer, and it's because of his repressed childhood memories. We're right. taking him to psychotherapy. Right. But she's so deadpan when she says it. hmm And she's very concerned. She's very concerned. serious. Yeah, Elijah's going to sleep with us tonight because he's having a lot of problems right now. Right. And then later in the movie, we even get... Elijah's perspective on things when she is yeah. tied up in the cage, yep. she's trying to wring her hands free of the ropes, and we see his repressed memory of his parents being captured in the wild, yelling, "Elijah!" untie us you have to set us free before they come back
1: thanks for the subtitles
0: and he didn't save his parents and he was captured himself and he's got a (laughs) lifetime of regret because of it Uh, and so he redeems himself by setting her free
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah why is that in the movie i don't know because it was funny then you've got like John Cusack's boss he goes for this
1: job interview as a clerk this whole scene like the first half hour of the movie is ridiculous with this with this half ceiling this short what is this place it's a
0: half story yeah he's going up to the seven and a half floor and once again in a random surprise role, who is it but Octavia Spencer? Octavia
1: Spencer keeps showing up in this fucking podcast.
0: is <laughs> going to be in this podcast nine times before she ever has any starring roles or relevant right. parts. Because she just keeps showing up. So she shows him how to crank open the door with a crowbar. Yeah,
1: she sees him looking for Lawrence. Like, okay, I don't know how to get that. seven And she, she's seen it all before. Then you seven and a half, floor. Okay, here you go. And she gets this fucking bar and jams it in there. My favorite thing is that you can see the door has been jammed so many times. It's all it bent to all shit. bent to shit, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so she helps him there, and you get this ridiculous floor, which is such a great sight gag. It, it does, is. And they have an orientation video for why it is that way. Sure. And the, it's like a captain, a sea captain who married a small woman. Right. Because she didn't have a place of her own, he decided to make her his wife and built this floor. Which is all bullshit. Yeah. But they don't explain why it's bullshit. That's just what they tell the employees. Yeah. But he goes in for this interview. John Cusack goes in for this interview. And he says his name is Schwartz. And the woman says, all right, Mr. Juarez. Right. And he says, no, my name is Schwartz. And she says, I don't understand a word you're saying. This
1: ridiculous premise of this woman... Is the thing that I think I have the most questions about, but I know that there's no answers.
0: No, she is just an absurd person yeah. who doesn't l- hear very well. Yeah. And her boss is this really old man who's apparently 105 right. and survives on lots of carrot juice. Right. And he talks about how he has a speech impediment, and I apologize for it because my secretary can never understand a word I'm saying. Excuse you, It's all me.
1: Executive assistant. I'm
0: sorry. His executive assistant. I don't have a secretary. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just setting
1: up these very ridiculous human beings who seem to exist in this world. And they're all completely fine with this half floor. Yeah. Nobody really talks about it all that much until the end. And he asks the question and it's, it's a joke answer. There's no explanation. No, it's just, he thought it was going to be funny. So he did it. And then they did it.
0: I guess, (laughs) I guess I want more of these though. I really think this should exist. Just these stupid half floors because it was funny. You know this probably exists somewhere since this movie came out. Probably. <laughs> but I think they probably made it a little more accessible to the elevator. <laughs>
1: Jeez. Oh, my God. I There's not much else to say about this movie. It's just completely a farcical and ridiculous, but it's coherent. That's the issue.
0: That's the thing that's
1: so weird about this weird movie. I just keep coming back to the fact that I understood every single bit about what's happening and I got to the end and it's a satisfying ending, so to speak.
0: Yeah. He, we get to the end of the movie and Craig has been inhabiting John Malkovich for eight months. He has launched his magnificent puppet career,
1: <laughs> Maxine, career. Maxine is very pregnant. They're
0: married. She and John Malkovich are happily married. She's very pregnant. And the old people have explained that you have until his 44th birthday at midnight, where we will take over because if you miss that window, you will end up being a passive observer of the next vessel. Right. So if you do it at the wrong time, you'll get trapped and you will have no way to access it. You have no way to control it. You're just stuck in there. Yeah, yeah. So they finally, it's his boss and all these other old people because he's figured out a way to get all of these people in at once.
1: I, I, I guess. I, that's one thing I didn't really understand, but it I doesn't know. matter. It doesn't
0: matter. <laughs> so he figures out a way to convince Craig to exunt the body. <laughs> he does, all the old people take John Malkovich over, so he has his free will for about 35 seconds right. before, before it's gone yeah. forever. And the new vessel is Malkovich's daughter, his unborn child yeah. inside of Maxine. Yeah. And Craig ends up inside this vessel. As a passive observer. He gets stuck. He says, Maxine, I'm going to go back in there and I'm going to make you love me. But Uh he doesn't know this rule that he could get stuck. It doesn't spit him out again. He's just jammed in there. Mm -hmm. And we just accept it because he kind of deserves it because he's an asshole.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. And well, at least he got his board back.
0: <laughs> he did. He did. So the first time he crawls in, he's got a board, and then it's yeah. gone. Where did it go? Did you also <laughs> notice
1: that he was completely covered in shit when well, he came yeah. out at the very end. He had been everybody in else, so Everybody else just had a little bit on him. You could see that it, 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 oh, it kind of looked like mud. Like you were kind of – maybe you got it from, like, landing uh, on the New Jersey turnpike uh but no he is completely covered because he's been in there so long he's
0: been in there so long it's a part of him now (laughs) god but yeah the movie ends and the two women just kind of accept that they're in love with each other and this baby is both of theirs because she conceived the child maxine conceived the child when lottie was inside john malkovich
1: Sure, fine.
0: So they're in love and they have this child together and seven years later, everything
1: is hunky-dory. Yep. And Malkovich has this plan to live forever with Charlie Sheen. Yep. He tells Machine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And th- maybe they're going to get Gary Sinise in there too.
0: Yeah. We'll get you and me and
1: her and maybe even Gary Sinise. A person that we have not referenced at all in the entire movie. Why
0: Gary Sinise? Is it just because they were in Of Mice and Men together? Sure. I know that they've made a movie together. Has Malkovich made a movie with Charlie Sheen?
1: Because I don't remember one. I'm going to say probably yes. Why not? I'm going to need to look into that because they I posted don't recall. They both did a bunch of movies in the 80s and
0: 90s. And the 90s. Yeah. But, <laughs> Yeah, it was actually his suggestion to have it be Charlie Sheen because he's like, you know who it should be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who else would you go to if you think you're going crazy?
0: I guess.
1: God. I
0: guess. And this is when uh, Charlie Sheen was going through rehab or something, I think. Probably. And pre Two and a Half Men.
1: Yeah. It's before his big comeback and also before he went crazy again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that's another topic for another day. (laughs) So I think we've covered most of the plot points of this movie. So I think I just want to hear the other random notes you wrote because there's just a lot of funny, stupid moments. Like there's this running joke about everybody who recognizes him on the street says, I love you in that Jewel Thief movie. And he says, I wasn't in in one, but they're emphatic that he was.
1: It happens like three or four times.
0: Yeah. And he wasn't. He was never in a Jewel Thief movie until after this movie came
1: out. I'm really curious as to like who they think it was, like what Jewel Thief movie was there where there was a guy who kind of looks or acts like John Malkovich?
0: I think that's also just a commentary on fans in general, because that's a thing people do where they tell you something, you correct them and they are emphatic that they are correct. And you don't know your own life.
1: (laughs) Well, and even at the end of the movie, the guy, like the guy in the bar comes up to him and says, yeah, you're John Malkovich. No, I'm not. No, yes, you are. Fight me. Yeah. (laughs) Right. There is, there is a thing that happened in our town. Years and years ago, uh, actor by the name of Vinny Jones. If you've seen a Guy Ritchie movie, he's like Bullet Tooth Tony. He's the tough guy in a lot of his movies. You absolutely he's in seen... Gone in
0: sixty seconds as Sphinx. He doesn't talk for two thirds right. of the movie, or ninety five percent of the movie. Sure,
1: <laughs> um, spoilers. <laughs> but he, for some reason, was in our town. He was out at night at a bo- at one of the bars in town, and some dick hole came up to him and started a fight with him.
0: Because he's like, oh, you're a big tough guy. I'm right. going to start some shit.
1: Some drunk asshole came up to him and started some shit. So you know what? He just gave it right back. The guys were arrested and they tried to, like, they were going to maybe try to charge Vinnie Jones with a crime, but it got dismissed later.
0: Yeah, because they found out these dudes were just assholes. Yeah.
1: It's like, <laughs> I'm a famous guy. They came up to me and started to start some shit, so I threw it right back in his face. I didn't do anything wrong. These guys were dicks.
0: Absolutely. So
1: that's kind of the same vein of what, we're, what we that saw here. It's the mentality
0: of fans being stupid. Yeah. Uh, I also loved when they went into his brain and John Malkovich was ordering towels. <laughs> Embroidered Monogrammed. towels. Monogrammed. Monogrammed towels.
1: towels. <laughs> they say, oh, I don't have the periwinkle. Okay, I'll take the other one.
0: Uh, the line where uh, Craig locks up his wife and he says, what have I become? My wife in a cage with a monkey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all these lines. Uh, I was just yelling at the screen. Like all these lines are given with no irony whatsoever they are completely serious
0: yeah so those were just a couple of things i like was there anything else that you you hadn't shared yet
1: (laughs) well one thing i wrote down was when malkovich went into his own portal and he sees all of the other malkoviches i said oops all malkoviches (laughs) that's all
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it. Uh, Yeah, any other parting thoughts? I think we're about wrapping up on this one here, Trent.
1: I think this one was silly, and it was a perfect coda to this weird series.
0: All right. Well, with that, uh, we're going to do an email here uh, relevant to what we were talking about. Uh We got an email from our superfan Stephanie about adaptation. And Pitch Perfect, so one of the
1: movies... Two movies that have everything to do with each other.
0: In the very least, one that has something to do with what we're doing right now. Indeed. <laughs> All right, she says, Wow, I watched Adaptation last night. This movie is a master class in anxiety. Uh-huh. It makes me very uncomfortable, but also I just want to give him a hug. Him being Nicolas Cage's character, which, Charlie
1: Kaufman. Which one? Which <laughs> one?
0: This whole movie is so weird and wonderful Donald cracks me up How is it that every single side character Is an actor I know and like Tilda Swinton Ron Livingston Judy Greer Maggie Gyllenhaal Brian Cox Etc Yep Trent I love you But I hated the movie Her Aww It did not speak to me at all I am not an introvert So I think I just do not relate to each their own. Yes,
1: that is a very personal thing for me.
0: Absolutely. Not yeah.
1: not to reveal too much of of myself in here, but if you if you listen to that episode, I I go into why I like that movie that, All, that movie so much. Also a Spike <laughs> Jones movie. Also a Spike <laughs> Jones. Yes.
0: Back to adaptation. Nick Cage is great. Meryl Streep is gorgeous and wonderful. Chris Cooper is unrecognizable and also wonderful. Indeed. All right, now she's done talking about that and going to Pitch Perfect. Switching gears. Pitch Perfect. I fucking love this movie. Of
1: course you do.
0: <laughs> I was in an a cappella choir in high school. What? And watched the sing off when it was on TV. Hence my love for Pentatonix. So great. I had forgotten completely that that was a TV show until she emailed us this.
1: So is it like it was a competition show, but for acapella groups? That is exactly what it was. In the vein of American Idol? That is
0: exactly what it was, Trent. Oh. I believe it was on NBC. I don't think it was on for more than maybe two seasons. Wow. But Pentatonix, by far, is the biggest thing to come out of it.
1: Mm. Literally, they are coming to our town... And so one of my friends texted me the other day,, "Are you going to see them?" No. <laughs> no, Not your cup of tea. No.
0: Uh, in that episode we talked about Zoe's extraordinary playlist, so she's mentioning that here. Yep. Zoe's extraordinary playlist was pretty good. Where Crazy ex-girlfriend is about mental health, that show is about grief. I liked it and think you should give it a try. Back to Pitch Perfect. Anna Kendrick and Skylar Aston are so charming, and I have a crush on both of them. Not a ton to say, it is just plain fun. You guys are awesome, and I miss you both. Aw,
1: thanks, Stephanie.
0: Thank you, Stephanie. Yes, we have been dedicating more of our time to movies, so we really haven't explored a lot of television lately, but yeah. we've got a growing list of things that we may check out in the near future.
1: Yeah, like for us with TV, it kind of has to be a absolute hit Or a guaranteed hit for us.
0: Or somebody just emphatically telling us, based on these things you like, I really feel strongly
1: you will like this. Sure. And, like, the TV shows that we have been watching have been relating to the MCU. So we've been been watching all that stuff for the most part. Or, like, re-watching stuff we've already seen plenty of times.
0: Yeah, because we're those people. It's comfort watching, guys. You guys Uh all do it. We know. We know. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our weird series. So if you guys would like to contact us to tell us other weird movies that you like, or this movie in particular, mm-hmm. or any of the movies that we covered.
1: And we had a lot to choose from in this category. Like, absolutely. I've got another at least six other movies that could have qualified here, but, you know, these these won out.
0: Absolutely. So we'll probably do more weird ones later on, yep. but that's going to be it for this round of them yeah, any, I, I like this anyway one a lot. so if you would like to tell us you, any of those thoughts or your thoughts on any other movies you can email us at never at gmail.com follow us on twitter never seen it underscore pod we're also on facebook and instagram that's never seen pod one that's the number one you can reach out to us on there or just share any of the content we're putting up there yep. uh, pretty much daily you can also click the link in the podcast description on anchor and support the show that way. But once again, that's going to be the end of this episode. We're going to be starting a new series in the very uh-huh. near future. Uh-huh. As in you... the next the next one. We,
1: were, we are uh, going to be introducing Never Scream It.
0: Oh, no. He's announcing the name. I said it. <laughs> we decided it needed a name since we just called it our October series last year.
1: <laughs> I, I give full credit to Betsy for that name. I cannot take any credit for that myself. <laughs> but I like it.
0: Well, that's what's coming up next, guys. So you can tune into our next episode and then a few more after that for that new series. Yep. In the meantime, this has been Never Seen It. I am Betsy. And I'm Trent. And we will catch you next time. Bye bye.